By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Uh, some really exciting things to talk about with David Wiley from the OZ. You can find them online at OkanaganZ.com. There is the beautiful website picture. And uh, if I can scroll down a little bit, uh, there we go. Cannabis and sports equals healthier athletes. Uh, a story I was honored to write uh, for the last hit of the magazine, which, as I uh, bring in my good friend David Wiley, I uh, tweeted out a a picture, an Instagram picture, uh, actually. uh, Well, I guess it was Instagram and Twitter, uh, of some of the lovely magazines at uh, Plant Life Jensen Lakes as I was in there uh, picking up some uh, lava cake from Delta 9 uh, the other day. So the magazines are out there, David. Uh, The stories are great in it. And um, I'm really proud to be a part of uh, the OZ for that particular magazine. I'm really proud to have you as part of it. Look at us. I mean, hanging out again, talking about what's new in the world of weed. It's awesome. Yeah. How it's, can life uh, get any better? It, it is. You know, we, we were just talking, you know, this is episode 90, and, and we're going to talk about a story that kind of rings a bell to something we talked about way back in the beginning, which, you know, seems like a long time ago now with with the, <laughs> uh, the pandemic stuck in the middle of there. But here we are approaching 100 episodes of this show and uh, man it's so fun to get up and think what am I going to talk about today when it comes to cannabis I just really really enjoy this and you know this segment is is so much fun because we bring information I just had a person reach out the other day and say you know there's a lot of growing shows and I love them but I love that you guys take a news angle to to different things so it's one of the things that uh, the audience certainly does love and I think they're going to love this first story that we're talking about I certainly am excited about it Um, you know as I said when I first found out that Harvard was going to be studying cannabis uh, I I said you know I guess we can throw out the the weed is for dummies kind of stigma that's out there because this is a Harvard study that is finding cannabis can be effective for chronic pain. And so many people have chronic pain, David. Yeah, I'm one of them, actually. I know this from experience that cannabis really does help with pain. And research, like you said, of Harvard Medical School joins other research. Um, You mentioned that we've been doing this for a long period of time. And one of the things that you find is that there's a lot of research that's crossing over And this is certainly one of them. It's helping to establish cannabis as an effective long-term treatment for chronic pain. The study's small, but the results are intriguing. It found that individual cannabinoids appear to exert unique effects on pain and comorbid symptoms. I mean, that's something that we've been talking about for a while in the cannabis industry, is that sometimes there's not enough attention paid to those lesser cannabinoids, and not lesser than, but just lesser known, Uh, So more research is said to be needed to potentially optimize cannabinoid-based treatments for pain, say the authors of the study, and included 37 patients who were suffering from uh, arthritis, joint pain, uh, neuropathy, and other chronic pain conditions that were evaluated over about a six-month period while they were using cannabis through uh, smoking, through vaporizing, through edibles, oils, and other methods. And uh, all of the patients had actually never used cannabis before, or they had abstained from use for at least a year prior to the study. 
And what they found was that after six months of daily treatment with cannabis, patients reported significant improvements in their pain and their sleep, their mood, anxiety, and overall their quality of life. Uh, so this is really interesting research. And, you know, not only does it find that it uh, has a, an effect on pain, but also that it depends on the different cannabinoids. And that just opens up whole new paths of research. It really, really does. And, you know, this, this story excites me so much. And, you know, the, um, uh, I, I guess the non-believer might say, well, there's a lot of ifs and buts and mites uh, and, and more research has to be done. And, and my answer is, yes, I can't wait for that more <laughs> research to be done. I agree because this is so positive and, and we're, we kind of, you know, have, have known about, you know, whether it's uh, a terpene that doubles as a cannabinoid like caryophylline and some of the benefits that they might have and that they do have. And, and there's a lot of anecdotal. And now there is starting uh, to be more and more actual research that's saying yes this is and and that's going to lead people to dive in uh to multiple you know to different terpenes on their own and, and and cannabinoids on their own and things like that and it's studies like this that obviously coming from a credible uh resource like harvard are going to spur people on to dive into this plant even more and it's just you know it's going to be like uh that kind of the trickle down effect uh where you know it starts here and we're going to get all the research uh funneling through and you know, it won't be long before we know so much more about this plant. This is so amazing, and it's going to lead to be better things, I think. One of the really interesting parts of the study is you hear from people sometimes that don't have much experience with cannabis, um, that they're worried about THC, they, wanna, they want to lean towards CBD. Well, the study found that actually THC is a really key ingredient to treating pain. Uh, but, but the other side of that is that uh, patients have been using less THC over time as they figure out what the balance is between THC and CBD to effectively relieve their pain. So in, in some ways, um, you know, patients are participating within that, that whole um, process of medicating. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so interesting, and and I talk to people about this too. That uh, yeah, I, I I think people should take CBD. I take it regularly, twice a day. I use you know different kind of balanced cultivars throughout the day. Uh, but I do you know if I have a really bad headache. Or, or if I have, uh, you know, I use some rubs and some creams, but if I'm looking for some pain relief, I'm going straight to the to the THC because it does uh, help, you know, it, the CBD uh, continually building up and, and having it in your system certainly helps. But if you want to, you know, fix that kind of acute pain or things like that, you're going to go to THC. But the good news is, as you mentioned, is you don't have to get blasted. You don't have to get like a 25.6% sativa uh, to, to ease some of your pain. Cannabis is different for everybody. And if you, especially if you don't have a lot of experience, you're not going to need a lot of THC. You could find one of those one-to-one -one, uh, cultivars that's going to be right for you. And then you, you know, fine tune it as you go. As we always talk about kind of journaling and keeping track of your experience. So, you know, the next time what you might be looking for when you go into the store and it's not that cbd doesn't do anything cbd generally uh, works on your mood and that sort of thing um, but for the physical pain thc is uh, is definitely key 
Indeed. Uh, okay, let's get into this next story. And, um, you know, we have uh, talked about uh, this company uh, quite a bit. You know, in our uh, year-end special, it was about uh, mergers and acquisitions and, you know, mm-hmm. downsizing. And, and here's Canopy Growth growing once again. And, uh, you know, uh, bringing in a pretty big name in the cannabis business. Yeah, mergers and acquisitions. That's where we said this was going to be at. And certainly it's one of the big trends right now. Canopy growth. I mean, you got to know them by now. They're a whale and they've gobbled up Ontario-based Supreme Cannabis Company. So they're behind seven acres, um, which is quite well known and some other ones. The deal is worth $435 million in a stock transaction. This comes on the tail too of Canopy acquiring Ace Valley. Um, so as far as what Canopy gets out of it, they strengthen their brand portfolio um, with the Seven Acres. It's Craft Collective, Blissco, Truvera, Sugarleaf, and Highway. And Supreme, they get potential exposure to the U.S. market through Canopy's inroads there. Uh, and Supreme also says that the deal is beneficial to its stakeholders. Um, so Supreme shareholders will actually vote in June. And if approved, that deal is going to close uh by the end of that month. You know, other trends that we've talked about too in the cannabis industry, Dean, is more affordable um, products at a better price that we're seeing greater variety, increasing legal sales, you know, more focus on terpenes uh, and some of the lesser known cannabinoids like we just talked about. And you can start to see where these companies are, are really, the big companies and the smaller ones are pivoting into these trends. It's so interesting when we uh, when we talk about uh, companies acquiring other companies and, and how big the names are. I mean, just on this set alone, respect the plant right there, seven acres. You got packs. You got a packs up there. You know, I mean, canopy growth. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it said like about a six percent market share. I mean, they are, you know, massively gobbling up different companies that are bringing them so much um, so much more reach out there. And and you know, this is starting. You know, there, there's there's going to be, there, I think the the rush to cannabis saw a lot of companies go too big too fast, and then they had to really take a step back. And some of the smaller producers, uh, I think, are doing a really, really great job of holding up the cannabis industry, while some of the big companies, uh, you know, scale back. And, and But then there's canopy growth that it's just like full steam ahead right now through all of this. Yeah, definitely. And it feels like every time one of these um, companies is purchased, another one just pops up in its wake. So where Supreme is now under canopy, well, guess what? There's going to be another small, less known company that moves up into that space. And they are taking advantage of that, whether it's more affordable, whether it's better quality, whether it's putting terpenes on the bottles, you know, whatever they're doing, um, you know, whether it's selling Canada's first ever blunt, which is starting to make its way onto market through GTEC. Like these companies are finding ways to innovate and ways to make themselves even more desirable for the big companies that are just going to snatch them up again. So it's a pretty interesting cycle that we're watching here. Yeah, I can't wait for those uh, blunts, those canagars to get on the market (laughs) just in time for like the camping season, right? You know, sitting around (laughs) a campfire with a, you know, I love a cigar. If I can combine like a canagar with that, I'm I'm loving that. And, And speaking of combining... Man, uh, there seems like there is uh, a bit of a supergroup forming in the United States when it comes to the fight for legalization. And, you know, 
we've seen those uh, the, those movies before, the, the the odd couple and and different things where maybe it's like pairings that you wouldn't think normally go together. This is kind of one of those, David. <laughs> Strange bedfellows, right? Yeah, <laughs> you've got major Republican Party donor Charles Koch uh, now in cahoots with Snoop Dogg. Um, so this alliance basically sees the Democratic majorities in the House and Senate. Um, you know, that's the time that we're living in where the Democrats are in power in the White House. And this is a time that these groups believe that uh, they're going to be able to take advantage of the political scenario and bring about legalization federally in the U.S. So uh, the, the idea here is that Koch's prominence among the conservatives is going to help sway 10 to 12 Republicans or so to join the Democrats across the aisle and pass these uh, the, the cannabis legislation that's coming down. Um, you know, this group is backed by uh, Koch, and uh, it's also involved with the, the Cannabis Freedom Alliance. Um, this whole idea, it's fascinating to me because it was reportedly sparked by a Zoom call that Snoop Dogg had with Koch. Um, so, you know, people are talking and people want to see uh, the the power um, start to form together into a big coalition that's going to push for changes, changes that's going to see uh, cannabis sold legally across the U.S., that's going to see a creation of uh, big and small companies, that's going to see hopefully a lot of social injustices over the years righted. And uh, it's it's awesome. I love it. Um, and the fact that there are so many different groups that are working together toward this one cause just gives me hope that people can still work together. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, the uh, political Politico first reported this. Um, you know, you've got Snoop, you've got Charles Koch, and you've got Weldon Angelos, who was pardoned by Donald Trump. Uh, in January, after serving 13 years of a 55-year sentence for marijuana trafficking charges. And I, this is like, you know, we're, we do something with Malka LaBelle on the business of cannabis every week. It's called Game Changers. This is this could be a game changer, David. It really could be. Yeah, 100%. I mean, think about the groups that are involved in this. You've got Americans for Prosperity, um, the Reason Foundation, uh, Global Alliance for Cannabis, um, you know, the Weldon Project, which you mentioned. Um, I, I would love to see this change in the U.S. And I tell you, uh, if if I were an old man predicting the weather, I'd tell you that my knee is acting up and I see the, uh, the, the, the winds of change starting to blow in the U.S. and it's going to rain cannabis legalization. Yeah, it, exactly. And uh, the, the one uh, kind of quote in this from uh, Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, uh, who's a, a Democrat from New York, uh, talking about Joe Biden, um, saying, you know, they asked him uh, if they, or, or sorry, he said he vowed to move forward with the legislation, legislation if Biden resists. But he said Biden is studying the issue, so he wants to give him time to study it. Uh, he wants to be able to pitch his arguments to him, as uh, other advocates will. I, I, you know, there's got to be a tipping point for Joe Biden where he says, okay, I, you know, the, the storm is coming at me from all sides when it comes to cannabis. I, I, no moss. I give up and, and let's work towards something. I mean, he's got to see the writing on the wall here. And, and that big difference that we're talking about is that Biden wants decriminalization. That's what he's been advocating for. But these groups want to see legalization because we want to have, um, you know, the U.S. wants a market 
that can join into what's going to become the world trade uh, of globally of cannabis. Um, you know, you, you're you're risking being left out if you don't get on that uh, if you don't get on that train now. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, just like Canada needs to, uh, you know, we're on that train. We are legal. And then to stay ahead, mm-hmm. everybody, we got to look at our own backyard and make sure we are doing it right because Mexico's there. Canada's there. Mexico's getting there. Canada's there already. Uh, it's a sandwich of legalization for the U.S. that uh, it's going to be hard for them not to take a bite out of uh, because the profits and everything else are just so delicious. All right, let's get back to a, a final story now. We started uh, with some uh, scientific research from Harvard, uh, we're talking about another study, and this is something you and I have talked about uh, as well, is how do you determine impairment when it comes to cannabis? Because it's not the same as alcohol percentage or you know, you know whatever you're blowing when it comes to, to that. And there is now a study that is trying to figure out just how long cannabis impairment lasts. People coming at it from different angles, right? Uh, I mean, we know that the current uh, impaired driving tests out there just don't work. And so the question being raised out of Australia is how high uh, are people for how long? And basically the answer is that people are high and impaired for a different amount of time, depending on their experience level and how they consume cannabis. Of course, that has implications for how you uh, search for and enforce impaired driving. This uh, is a comprehensive analysis of 80 different scientific studies, and it's identified what uh, researchers are calling a window of impairment of between three and 10 hours. That's caused by moderate to high doses of THC. So for the study, a moderate dose is considered to be about 10 milligrams of THC. Um, But of course, researchers are also saying that what's moderate for a regular user uh, that could be different for, uh, you know, a, a moderate user or a high user. So the whole scale is different across the board. And basically, a study found that the, the exact duration is uh, is different from the THC that's actually in your uh, either blood or saliva. So if your uh, those tests, those roadside tests show that you actually have THC uh, in your body, that doesn't necessarily mean impairment. So what does that mean? Well, if you go if you go out on the road and you get stopped at a road check these days, they'll make you blow into a breathalyzer to see if you have had over the limit of alcohol. That kind of approach is not going to work when it comes to cannabis, just because this is the kind of science that's showing that it's uh, it, it, it's it's different for everybody, and it's different whether you have smoked a joint or whether you vaped or whether you've had a drink or whether you've eaten an edible or whether you've taken oil, um, whether you've smoked uh, for you know 20 years versus uh, 20 days. So there's a whole lot of what ifs and unknowns here and all those sorts of riddles need to be solved before they can really come up with a uh, solution for roadside impairment testing. Yeah, what it comes back to, David, uh, as always, is that everybody is different when it comes to cannabis. We all have our own endocannabinoid system. We all react differently. And this quote from uh, Professor Ian McGregor, who's the academic director of the Lambert Initiative, uh, he says, quote, THC can be detected in the body weeks after cannabis consumption, while it is clear that impairment lasts for a much shorter period of time. Our legal frameworks probably need to catch up with that end. As with alcohol, focus on the interval when users are more of a risk to themselves and 
and others, prosecution solely on the basis of the presence of THC in blood or saliva is manifestly unjust. And and that's what it is. The laws need to catch up uh, because, uh, you know, as you know, you talk to anybody who's ever had to take uh, a cannabis test for alcohol, you know, there you, there's that window of, you know, 28 days or 24 days or something like that where THC can still be present. But you know, I can smoke a joint and I'm not high 24 days later. But if I get pulled over and there's THC in my system, how is that a correlation? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And I love that quote, um, particularly where he says that that the legal frameworks probably need to catch up with that. Yes, I would say that they certainly do. And it's nice to see that people are working on it. The study also found that, uh, you know, that heavy users apparently show significant tolerance to the effects of cannabis uh, when it comes to driving and cognitive function, um, you know, while typically displaying some impairment. And again, that's really interesting. You know, I've, I've been in a lot of conversations with people um, who anecdotally will tell me that they can smoke a joint and 30 minutes later, they're fine to drive. And it's, it's weird. The science does seem to support that. Yeah. And, you know, not, not, I, I would not uh, recommend that uh, for people, but it, it is true. I mean, somebody can drink uh, two six of vodka and, or a rye or whiskey, <laughs> and you're probably going to be able to tell that they're impaired. But there's some people like, you know, Willie Nelson, he says, I smoke to get normal. You know, I don't smoke to get high. I smoke to get normal. There's guys out there. We all have friends that can, you know, smoke the biggest joint and they don't seem that high. So that's why, you know, you would need a personalized, every person would need their own system for testing uh, the THC impairment because everybody is uh, a little bit different. You could, you could get one person that has three drags off a joint and they would, you know, be so high because they're not experienced while the person next to them that is could smoke the whole rest of the joint and seem like they never smoked it. So it's not perfect. And, and you know, until they get it perfect, David, there's just going to be so many challenges in court over any kind of, um, you know, arrest or charges for this. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I think it's important to say that what, I mean, my policy is be a good human, you know, don't, uh, don't smoke a joint and go driving. Um, you know, you really don't want to wreck your life or somebody else's life, um, you know, from here on out. So just make good choices. And uh, as uh, as my partner Jenny would say, thanks, Dad. It's a real dad <laughs> moment there for you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Common sense, though, does prevail. Uh, you know, uh, do not... Uh, smoke and get behind the wheel or vape or use any kind of product. Don't use any intoxicant and get behind the wheel is the safest thing uh, to live by. David, as always, great stuff. I'm, I'm looking at the green grass on the website. As I look out at the dump of snow we received over the past three oh, or four no. days, it's <laughs> melting a little bit now, but all we could see outside was white. So looking at the green grass and the mountain and the lake, Makes me want to get out there. And maybe this summer will be the summer where we get things under control and we can travel again. But until then, we'll have to settle for our weekly chats, uh, which I do enjoy. Thanks so much, David. Well, wishing you some spring weather in the near future, my friend. and follow us on social media at the
Cannabis 101 on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101 Podcast on Instagram, and at the Canna 101 Podcast on Facebook. You can email us at Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com.